Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. 30 seconds and counting. There were plenty of years where there were guys who would dread being drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Not anymore. Astronauts report it feels good. T-minus 25 seconds. Brandon Bean realizes they're in a window of two to three years max to get this done while the iron's still hot. And getting Von Miller into that situation was big for the Bills. Ten, nine. Oh, baby. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Buffalo Fanatics, Z-Bot here with you Monday night, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. It can only mean one thing. It's the smoke break. Thanks so much for spending your Monday evening with me. Thanks for tuning in. We are officially one calendar month away from Buffalo Bills kickoff. One month from tonight, one month from the hour at 8 o'clock Eastern. The Bills will be kicking off at SoFi Stadium against the defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. Goosebumps just thinking about it. It's going quick like I told you it would. One month. We are so close I can almost taste it. And we're getting some live action Bills football this week. This coming Saturday, the Bills play host to the Indianapolis Colts in their first preseason game of the year. Although it's preseason, I hope it goes a bit better than it did against the Colts in the regular season last year. And even though it is preseason, it'll be nice to just see the Bills out in some simulation football against another team. We got to see some Bills action in simulation-style football on Friday this past week in the scrimmage. We'll talk about that later on in the show. As you can see from the thumbnail, OBJ making another appearance on the thumbnail. Why, you ask? Well, Von Miller and him continue to exchange social media posts in regard to Odell coming to Buffalo to play for the Bills. The question, however, it's not whether you want him to be a Bill or whether he's going to be a Bill. It's if he does become a Buffalo Bill, will he be healthy? We're going to have Thigh Doctor join us a little bit later on in the show to talk about OBJ's injury that he suffered Uh, tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl and whether or not he'll be ready to go at some point this season should the Bills pursue him. But we start today with the biggest story perhaps out of Buffalo. And of course, you know, nowadays social media becomes stories, right? 
Oftentimes we make them into things that they're not, but that's what we do. That's why the internet exists, right? We wouldn't be as preoccupied with the internet the way we are if it wasn't for filling our brains, our eyes, our ears with things that are, you know, pretty much more or less utter nonsense, but they're entertaining, right? Cole Beasley was definitely a topic of conversation all last year for reasons that many would argue weren't positive, right? Cole Beasley, one of the only NFL players last year, one of the more prominent NFL players last year, did not get vaccinated. He had a down year last year compared to the way he played the year before where he was an all-pro. And the Bills decide to let him go in the offseason here. And based on the way the wide receiver room is panning out right now, we're hearing things out of training camp, things I've seen personally, things I've heard just from Friday night. The Bills wide receiver core is absolutely crushing it. Isaiah McKenzie stepping up into the role that uh, Cole Beasley leaves behind. He seems to be killing it there. So why am I talking about Cole Beasley? Well, today he gets in a skirmish on Twitter with some Bills fans about his departure. Now, this is news because Cole Beasley has not spoken on his departure from Buffalo since he was released from the team. This is the first time that he has touched on the subject. He's been radio silent since. And I am constantly on this show preaching about culture, right? How great the culture in Buffalo is, how much respect I have for Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen. It seems at least once a week I have a story to share where my feelings are backed up, right? So when I hear stories to the contrary, I find it interesting, especially from a former player, especially from a player who, when brought into Buffalo, was singing Buffalo's praises compared to the previous organization he was with, quote-unquote, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. So today, Cole Beasley on Twitter, this is what happened. This was the uh, the situation. A player, or not, excuse me, a, a fan had tweeted to Cole Beasley, you know, saying that, he, I don't know whether it was a, he was an embarrassment, something like that. Yeah, right here. The guy, of course, whoever it was, that's the internet for you. You can delete things, right? But it lives forever. The internet lives forever. So as you can see, this tweet was deleted, but Cole Beasley responded to it. That's how it kind of caught some fire here. So I'm assuming whoever commented here said that Cole Beasley was an embarrassment. Cole Beasley responds saying, it's never embarrassing playing 10 years in the league. You try. Yeah, no kidding. Right. So Robbie here, Robbie uh, 219 responds saying that that person who had commented to Cole Beasley wasn't speaking on behalf of all Bills fans. Obviously, of course, nothing Cole Beasley did uh, throughout his career was an embarrassment. But this tweet, however, it did stand out to me only because out of all the things happening in Buffalo recently, you almost never hear of anything negative. That's why it's been so easy for me and others to sing Buffalo's praises, not just because of the success on the field, but because of the way they have carried themselves in almost every situation over the last handful of years. So Cole Beasley responds to Robbie, and he says, I appreciate the fans who supported me. The most fun I've ever had playing football was in Buffalo. My family and I will never forget the memories. Love all of my teammates there. I won't regret leaving, though. Things changed within the organization. It was time for me to move on. Later on down here, or maybe it was up more. Let me find the tweet. Someone responds essentially saying that he doesn't quite understand why Cole Beasley has those thoughts, those feelings. Why would Cole Beasley say that he won't regret leaving? Especially prior to saying that, he goes on to say that it's the most fun he ever had playing. 
Right here, David says, changes for the worst. Everyone talks highly of Bean. QB and Josh Allen became elite. Team turned into Super Bowl favorites. What could have went wrong? Cole Beasley responds, all y'all here is the show. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but if I can read between the lines, I'm guessing what Cole Beasley is saying is we don't know what's going on inside the locker room. He does, and all us fans know is what we're told. Now, more or less, that's true. But when I'm constantly being told one thing, and that one thing is essentially all of the good things that can happen in an organization happening in Buffalo – I'm going to believe it. And then I see examples time and time again. If you watched Rico and I last week on, on our show, I rattled off, what, five, six instances over the last few months where the Bills players, management, and the organization as a whole had just come out in a way that was just unprecedented as far as representing the Bills community, uh, representing the fan base, the organization. The list goes on and on. So it kind of sticks out to me when Cole Beasley says something like that, especially because I loved having Cole Beasley on the team. He by far had his best year of his career as an NFL player in Buffalo. And I don't really think there was much ill will towards Cole Beasley when he left. Now, of course, there was a handful of Bills fans who had a problem with him. He's the one who went on to say that the only place he gets booed in the NFL is at home. But we know that nobody's booing Cole Beasley. They're just chanting bees. The whole thing was very head-scratching. But then I, then I got down to it, right? Then you get down to what really happened, right? Cole Beasley did not get vaccinated. And all of a sudden, that's kind of where the tide turned. That, to me, was the biggest head-scratcher. It wasn't because of the play, necessarily. It wasn't because of him, the person. He just didn't get vaccinated. He was on a short list of NFL players who didn't. And all of those players on that list faced scrutiny all year long. Let's remember... Aaron Rodgers, of course, who to this day still since that moment where he said he was immunized has been in the spotlight for doing very odd things. Just recently, he was on a podcast discussing his ayahuasca experience, changed his life. So now Aaron Rodgers grows his hair down to the middle of his back. He gets a gigantic tattoo on his forearm. He's taking shrooms. Things have changed. Cole Beasley, things changed when that particular predicament happened. Let's look at Kyrie Irving in the NBA. His career has never been the same since he decided to not get vaccinated. Now, I don't care what you do or what you don't do. Those were those players' personal choices. But to me, it seems like Cole Beasley is levying the blame of his personal choices on the organization. When he says, all y'all here is the show, when somebody comes out to say the Bills are ascending, right? Brandon Bean has done great things in Buffalo. Josh Allen's become an elite. To me, how can Cole Beasley look at that and then go on to say that it's you guys don't really know what's going on. Well, I feel like we do have a good idea as to what's going on. There really hasn't been anything to the, the contrary. that The Bills have been nothing short of a incredibly run franchise over the last couple of seasons, right? So for Cole Beasley to come out and say that, to me, it was very, it, it, was, it was concerning in, in regard to looking at him as a player. He today is still not on a roster. There are plenty of teams in the NFL right now who could use a wide receiver. Believe me, look around the league. There are tons of teams right now who are hurting at the wide receiver position. And I understand Cole Beasley is getting up there in age, but he's still good enough to contribute to a team. You have to wonder if his personal choices weigh into that and the way that he went about it last season. He was a distraction. And once again, I don't care what you do and what you don't do, what you believe in, what you don't believe in. That's on you. But you can't blame anybody else for your personal choices. 
It was the NFL mandate in itself. Cole Beasley decided to do his own thing, and things definitely seemed to sever at that particular moment. So I have to wonder, is it really something going on in the organization that Cole Beasley is trying to shine light on as to why he wanted to leave? Or is it just Cole Beasley blaming somebody else for his departure and for the fact that he is no longer on an active roster at this moment in time? I would understand if other people had a similar thought process to what Cole Beasley is saying, but we have not heard anything quite like this at all in the last couple of years. And I'd have to imagine guys like Von Miller wouldn't want to come and be a part of this, Jamison Crowder, Roger Saffold. If there were actually problems, I think we would know about it. There's plenty of people tapped in that would be able to shine light on whether or not there was something involved within the organization to make it seem like it's not what it seems like on the surface. I'm not buying it. 201 in here right now on a Monday night. That is what I am talking about. Make sure to hit that like button for me. I really would appreciate it. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button because like I said, we are one month away from football and we are going to have content coming at you at a rapid pace. You think we've been churning it out during the offseason? Just wait until the regular season hits. If you subscribe, you do get notifications for all the awesome stuff that we put out here at the Buffalo Fanatics. So make sure to hit subscribe. We would really appreciate it. So I figured I'd touch on that a little bit just because I, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of like when someone talks crap about your mom or your dad or your sister or your sibling, right? And I don't know if Colby is necessarily, necessarily talking crap, but when I see somebody trying to say that, and, and maybe, of course, it's the homerism coming out of you, but when I, try to, when I see somebody saying anything other than, you know, the Bills are, are doing great. I mean, if I had a reason to believe otherwise, I would definitely be the first to admit it, right? But for what, for what I, to take it at face value, it just doesn't really make much sense. It just doesn't make much sense. And I wish Cole Beasley wouldn't go on Twitter and, and do that because it seemed like he did have a good experience in Buffalo up until that situation. I just wish things like that didn't make their way onto social media because it, just, it looks good for nobody. It looks good for nobody. I have no problem with Cole Beasley whatsoever at all. I just wish you're not talking to fans about, oh, you, you know, I won't regret leaving. Okay, well, that, I got fine. Great thing going on in Buffalo. I feel like anybody on planet Earth who's a professional football player would regret not being a part of that team if they had the chance to. But I guess that's just me. Let's see what else we got on the docket today. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Last night, actually, as a matter of fact, I did a fantasy football draft. Now you're probably saying, it's too early, Bot. What are you doing? What are you doing drafting your fantasy football team already? You should wait all the way until the regular season starts. Well, it's a dynasty league. This is the first time I have done a dynasty league. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, what better time to talk to you about my friends over at Dynasty Owner? They're running one of the best dynasty league fantasy platforms on the planet right now. Quick word from Dynasty Owner. You've never experienced fantasy football quite like this. Unlike the other fantasy football platforms, Dynasty Owner uses real NFL salaries and salary cap, bench scoring, clutch scoring systems, and a variety of other options to make Dynasty Owner unlike any other fantasy football experience you've ever had. Do you have what it takes to be the best Dynasty Owner in the league? Download the Dynasty Owner app on the App Store or Google Play today to find out. Dynasty owner, make sure to go over to the App Store or Google Play Store and check them out. So anyway, was doing the Dynasty draft yesterday. I've never done a Dynasty draft before. Very interesting because the team you draft is the team that you are locked into for 
the foreseeable future. And the reason I bring this up is I had the 10th pick and I was legitimately nervous because maybe it's the homer in me or maybe it's just the fact that I wouldn't mind having the best young quarterback in the league on my roster for that foreseeable future. But I was the 10th pick and I was I was pacing a little bit. I was sweating, getting really nervous. But Josh Allen did fall to me at the 10th pick and I took him round one. I don't care what anybody says about not taking or taking or not taking a quarterback in round one of any type of fantasy draft. I'm all in on it, baby took Josh Allen and uh, we're off and running. So I'm super excited about getting into fantasy. You should be too. Make sure to go over and check out uh, dynasty owner. So going to have thigh doctor on here in a minute. And the reason I'm going to do that is because we have been continuously getting rumors or not rumors rather, but hints as to the Bills and OBJ both mutually wanting to be, I I don't know, they mutually come together, so to speak. So, you know, last week we see Andre Reid post an Instagram picture with OBJ, right? And he comes out and says, uh, you know, we had a great talk last night in Atlantic City. Would be great to see OBJ in in the red, white, and blue or whatever. And everybody's like, okay, you know, and I know for me, Andre Reid is somebody out of the Bills organization I will listen to probably a bit more than some others, right? He's a legend, especially at the position in which he's talking about that particular player. So that piqued my interest. But then it got more interesting today, especially between Von Miller and Odell Beckham. This is over the last two days. And the reason I bring this up is because oftentimes these things don't turn into anything. But I do enjoy watching what Buffalo has become where you see these elite veterans do this, right? You see these elite veterans try and go back and forth to get people to Buffalo. It's just one of those things you could have never imagined. Now you have Von Miller and they're trading exchanges as to uh, as to get as to whether or not OBJ should come to Buffalo. OBJ seems like he would want to be a part uh, of what's going on in Buffalo as well. Now, granted, who could blame him? So this is what happened. Let's go over here and take a look. So uh, this was the first or this was the first exchange right here. So as you can see over on the Buffalo Fanatics uh, Instagram page, if you're not following that already, make sure to do so because uh, Bobby, the main man, the Instagram guy, he is constantly putting out great stuff like this. So Von Miller posts an Instagram picture and OBJ uh, comments on it. And OBJ says, you Ben lit. What's the locker next to you look like? There's not much. There's not much to read between there, folks. So now I'm piecing this together with the Andre Reed picture. And he's saying, what's the locker next to you look like? Now, I've always wondered this. Do these players actually have any desire to, to follow up on these social media posts they put out? Or do they, well and, do they well and good know that what they're doing gets everybody riled up? I think it's a mix of both, but it's probably more of the latter, right? I mean, imagine it's kind of like Elon Musk with the Dogecoin thing there. I mean, every time Eli, Elon Musk tweeted about Dogecoin, the, uh, the stock price of it went up like 200%. Imagine having that power. Couple of taps, tweet, and you just send things into an absolute blizzard. This is the equivalent of that in the sports world. Von Miller posts a picture. OBJ says, what's the locker next to you look like? You got me and everybody else talking about it. Boom, it's over, right? But then Von Miller takes it a step further. Von Miller takes this edit of OBJ in a Bills uni, Posted on his story, 
and tags Odell in it and says, let's chase this ring again. Now, granted, I look at this. I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. And I see a lot of comments coming in here, right? And Gabe, we trust. Gabe, I'm hearing a lot of great things about Kair Elam or, 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 excuse me, Khalil Shakir already. We do have Jamison Crowder, who we're barely hearing anything about just because of this wide receiver room being so loaded. I don't think it's a matter of whether or not we need OBJ. You just have to consider whether or not the Bills think that he can take them to another level later on in the season. He suffered an ACL tear in the Super Bowl. He will not be ready to go for some time. Going to have Thigh Doc come on here in a minute and explain. But when you do take a look at the situation in totality, the Rams last year really didn't need Odell. Yes, Robert Woods went down, but they were still playing on offense tremendously well. Odell comes in. And, you know, it wasn't like it was a lights-out success story uh, off the bat, really, in general. But he does come in and score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And that ultimately wound up being a major difference in the game. So you don't look at it and say, oh, the Bills, do the Bills really need him? Do you really want him? At the end of the day, I look at it and I take away two things. One, I think it's really cool that you have, you know, superstars in Von Miller and OBJ going back and forth talking about coming to Buffalo. I just think that's great. Two, I look at it from the perspective, okay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just went and got Julio Jones. Do they necessarily need Julio Jones? Probably not. The same situation with the Rams last year. Did they need OBJ? Probably not. I think it just shows you the Bills are at the point where they are this close, right? They are such a hair away from the Super Bowl that these type of scenarios bring themselves to the spotlight. Because that's exactly what happened with the Rams last year. I think that's exactly why Julio Jones decided to join the Bucs this year. And I think that would ultimately be the exact reason why if Odell chooses to join another team outside of the Rams, which, by the way, I still think he has the best opportunity out of all the teams that he potentially could play for this coming season. I still think that it will be uh, the Rams that he sticks with. And I don't see why he wouldn't really. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much sense it would make for him to just hop around the league the way he has been uh, and just go year one year here, one year there. He's still got tread on the tires if he can get healthy, but it does make you wonder. It does make you wonder. So in a little bit, if this happens, because listen, I, I wouldn't talk about it if it wasn't constantly being put in our face. So there's potential here, whether it's, you know, this much or this much. There's still potential. Thigh Doc will come on in a little bit. Talk about, hey, if the Bills do, if the Bills do bring OBJ in, will he be healthy? And when potentially could he make an impact for the Bills? Interesting stuff. And like I said last week, you know, OBJ, I'm not a huge fan of him. Truth be told, really not a big OBJ guy. Never have been. And I don't think I ever will be. But I have come around to situations like this. I have. Just because you look at what gets, what it, it takes to get it done in the league now and how you have to add pieces like this. You also look at the fact that when you are reaching a certain point in a franchise, as far as levels are concerned, this is the stuff that happens. And I'm all for it. I mean, think about the off season here, every single veteran that hit the block, whether it was this off season or last off season, we, we had, we had a theory, right? You know, for a while it was JJ Watt. There were multiple running backs. We were talking about Christian McCaffrey was a hot subject for a long time. So this is just another one of those things. But out of all of those scenarios that we had running through our heads the last couple of, uh, couple of years, this one, as far as social media is concerned, definitely has been the most like 
in your face. But I do wonder, do these guys just text back and forth and be like, hey, watch this. I'm going to post you on the story. Bill's mafia is going to go absolutely nuts. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, pro athletes get bored too. They got to find a way to have fun. And they can't necessarily go on online and troll like some people were doing to Cole Beasley earlier. So maybe this is their way of having fun on social media. I'm not quite sure, but it's something. Speaking of something and speaking of wide receivers, let's talk about the depth chart. The depth chart is officially released. The first depth chart of the offseason has been officially released. Now, of course, you take this with a grain of salt. We do not necessarily look at this depth chart and take it as it is, right? Face value. There's a lot that could change. There's a lot that probably will change, but it's interesting because this is our first look as to not only the roster in totality, of course, but the starting lineups. So I think the first thing that would probably jump off the page, well, there's a few things, right? To me, the first, you want to know, you want to, you want to know what really jumped off the page for me first. And it's like the most random thing, but I, I, I'm not quite sure if you can actually, well, I got to take away this little banner here so you can see it. So the first thing I noticed is if you look, if you look right here, the first thing that popped out under the pronunciation guide, which I love this because this, like, this just shows me how wrong I am on some of these names. Like I've been saying Teron Johnson forever, especially since the pick six against the, the Ravens. It's Taron Johnson. And of course, most people say Taron Johnson. I got so wired into saying Teron. It was kind of like when we all call, called Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor. And then he came out and was like, no, it's Tyrod. And we were like, what? What? Dude, no way. How did you never say anything ever? And now it's like my brain is so wired and I will never be able to call Tyrod Tyrod, right? But we all know Tyler Bass is Tyler Bass. But you got to think that the Bills PR team had a little bit of fun with this one. Under the pronunciation guide, Tyler Bass. Next to Bass, they write in parentheses, like the fish. That was the first thing that stood out to me. I thought that was hilarious. So we look up here on the offense. I think probably the first thing that will stick out is the um, the reassurance, I guess you could say, that wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie has indeed, up until this moment, solidified himself into the starting slot wide receiver position. We see Jamison Crowder will be backing him up. Now, obviously, things can change, but we have heard time and time again over the last month how well Isaiah McKenzie has been performing and how he has been taking the majority of the first-team reps at the slot position. And here you go. First step chart of the year proves that that's exactly what is, uh, you know, to be the case. You look through here as far as the entire offensive depth chart is concerned. The other thing that might that might stick out, of course, is, well, why is uh, David Questenberry starting over Spencer Brown? Well, Spencer Brown really hasn't been able to practice at all this offseason due to injury. That's one of those situations right there you look at and wonder, or not wonder, really. You, you look at and pretty much tell yourself that that will be different as soon as it can be different. Spencer Brown will definitely be starting at that right tackle position when he is able and then you got Ryan Bates here over Cody, Ford, over Cody Ford, which you know me, huge, huge Ryan Bates fan. And from what I have heard uh, out of the scrimmage Friday night, Ryan Bates had himself a hell of a night on the offensive line. So I am one of Ryan Bates' biggest fans. If you paid attention last year to the run game at all, Devin Singletary really started to hit stride when Ryan Bates took the lineup on the offensive line. 
And I don't think that was any coincidence. I really think Ryan Bates brought a different element to the offensive line that allowed the run game to open up more than it had been earlier on in the season. So love to see that. And then Roger Saffold back in the mix. Roger Saffold officially activated off of the non-football-related injury list. He is finally back to practice, of course. He had suffered that injury in a car accident. The Bills take in Roger Saffold this offseason. Haven't really been able to see what he's got yet, of course, due to that. But he is now finally activated. So it'll be good to see him get some reps in, perhaps in these preseason games coming up before the regular season hits. Uh, and then you continue to look through here. Another guy that I heard the, his name come out of the scrimmage on Friday night was Tommy Doyle. Now, you know, Deion Dawkins had missed some practice time over the last couple of weeks due to personal reasons. We all know Deion Dawkins' spot is not in jeopardy at all. But Tommy Doyle in a rotation. When I was at practice last week, and I know that size and strength and all that does not necessarily translate into success on the field or skill, but you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger human than Tommy Doyle. I mean, that dude is a freak. I think he's six, eight, three twenty, something like that. And I heard he had himself a pretty decent day out on the line when he did have reps on Friday night. Now, moving down into the defense, you know, with the injuries going on right now, it does make you wonder, especially at the cornerback position, what is going to wind up happening from what I've been told, you know, Kyer Elam, he's still going through some growing pains and that's, that's obviously expected. The first round draft pick for the bills still trying to get his feet wet in the NFL. He has been struggling a bit in simulation style uh, practice in particular on Friday night. You have to wonder, is it, is it the fact that he's struggling or is the bills wide receiver core really just that great? I mean, if you're going up against what Gabe Davis, who just in this offseason put on 17 pounds. And like I told you last week, my observations from camp, I mean, it it looks like that. It actually looks more than 17 pounds. You know, last year when Devin Singletary really hit the gym and he posted that picture online of him with his shirt off and he just looked absolutely shredded. That was the first, like, thought that came to my mind when I saw Gabe Davis out on the field. It was like when you saw that picture of Devin Singletary, you were like, geez, an utter transformation, right? Like you can tell not only is the, the rumors or not rumors, but the, you know, the, the written statements you see like, Oh, so-and-so has put on muscle or weight. You read that. And it's not until you see it that you truly are like, Whoa, right. That Devin Singletary picture was whoa to me. When I was about 50 yards away from Gabe Davis, it was a legitimate. Whoa. Like my God, this dude, he looks huge. He looks like an absolute freak athlete. As far as size and height is concerned, so you have to wonder, for a guy like Kyir Elam, a rookie, of course, is it that he's struggling? Which, of course, there's got to be elements of that. Every rookie's going to struggle. But is that being compounded by the fact that he is squaring off against one of the best wide receiver cores in the league? So based on the step chart right now, you got Dane Jackson in that spot. Now, Tredavious White right here um, at the cornerback one position, that, of course, will not be the way it will be. A lot of bees there. That, of course, will not be the status quo week one. We're still waiting for Tredavious White to hit the lineup. Although what we are hearing is his progression is going tremendously well. I mean, they seem to be 
they seem to have the utmost confidence over at One Bills Drive in regard to Tredavious White's rehab this offseason. I mean, he seems to be really grinding his ass off. I can't tell you how many videos and pictures I've seen of him staying late after training camp, really putting the rehab in, really working out on that injury. So it could be sooner than later, but I would not anticipate Tredavious White being ready for week one. The cornerback position will be interesting as things kick off for the season, as well as the safety position, Jordan Poyer, of course, suffering, suffering his injury in camp, as well as Micah Hyde. So there is a lot going on in the backfield right now. And that might be why it looks. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say weak. I guess maybe that that's why it's showing it's it's fold, so to speak, in these scrimmages and practices. Not only are you facing off against an elite wide receiver core, but you do have a lot of banged up guys on that defense. Um, you do look at this depth chart, though, and man, all the way down. You start at offense, you go all the way down to here. I mean, that is just one hell of a squad on paper, is it not? I mean, is it not? Just take a look at, you know, you go up and down here. Truly incredible. And then you come down here to the special teams. Interesting. You got Matt, you got Matt Hawk penciled in at that starting spot right now. I would like to believe, and based on what you're hearing, Matt, uh, Matt Areza will definitely be in contention for the starting job. Can't imagine it takes long for him to wind up winning it. I saw Sal Capaccio tweet out today that he saw, he saw uh, Matt Areza kick a, a punt today that, that hit a 70 to 75 yard air, uh, air height or whatever. I mean, are you kidding me? Insane. What's Bobby coming in here and saying? Oh, Bobby's saying that the thigh god needs me to send him a link so that I can bring him on and we can talk to him real quick. It's always fun to have the thigh god on. I mean, I'll never turn an opportunity down to have the thigh god on, but he knows what he has to do. He has to dance on, on his way in. Now, hopefully he's ready. Last time I brought him on, it was me who kind of dropped the ball on that one. I didn't give him the proper intro, so I will make sure to do that. So we'll talk a little bit about OBJ's injury, and then I want to get a little bit of updates on the other injuries going on as well throughout uh, the organization right now in Buffalo. I just saw somebody pop up in the green room. That would have to be, of course, the thigh god. Now, like I said, I have to do a proper intro. He's the one who gave me crap the last time about not giving him the the adequate uh Intro, That's a, I can't think of a synonym for intro, sorry. The adequate intro into the show. So I'm going to play a little music for the thigh god and bring him on in a proper fashion. Yeah, here he is, the thigh doc. That's, I got some rock music going for you. I didn't have much else queued up. Oh. Oh, he's throwing a new element into this dance. He's actually doing medical stuff. Wow. Well, where's the dance? Wait a minute. Oh, there it is, baby. Get you a man that can do both. Oh, was that a new new move? Yeah, it's shake a leg. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen you. It's usually in and out. I don't think I've ever seen you throw the the thigh side to side. Is that something you're adding for the season here? Yeah, it's it's kind of how I say hello now. All right. Well, hello to you too, Thigh thigh Doc. It's good to have you on. We were talking a little bit. Yeah, I do see that. Is that a custom made or are you you selling those? What's the story there? Yeah, you could DM me if you want one, but uh, yeah, it's custom. Okay. 
Well, I don't want you to get hit with a uh, cease and desist. I got to get my hands on one of those before oh, you get yeah, fired. That's right. That's right. Well, I got all a right. couple. Uh, got a couple in the closet. All right. All right. Well, I'll have to shoot you the address afterwards. So we were talking earlier about OBJ, and I told the folks here, um, you know, joining tonight. I said, it's not a matter of if you want him to come or if he will come. It's just a matter of we're being told right now on social media to look out for it because. We're seeing Andre Reed, Von Miller, and OBJ himself constantly commenting on the fact that there's potential to go to Buffalo. And if you think about him joining Die Doc, it would be the biggest question would be, okay, if he's coming to Buffalo, when will he be able to play and how healthy will he be? You wanted to talk to me tonight about the injury he suffered in the Super Bowl and what that would mean for him coming back this coming season. Yeah, so he had a he had a late February ACL reconstruction. It's the same knee he had done previously. Um, so that's two ACLs, same knee, less than two years. Um, you know, usually what do they say? Like nine months to come back, you know, nine to 10 and a half. Yeah. So that kind of, that kind of leaves him, uh, you know, that's like end of December. Um, so I don't think the bills would be interested in picking him up at this point. Right. But this is someone who's, when they get healthy, if he wants to take a cheap contract, prorated so they're not investing a lot of money and then bring them on for a couple weeks before the playoffs and then there we go um that's how i see this one shaking out if that's what they're going to do now if it were up to you i mean not just based on injury so to speak but when you look at what obj was able to do for the rams last year in a short stint if he does come back at around that timetable that you're speaking on is it worth it for buffalo to bring him in not only because of the health, but because you have a loaded wide receiver room already. And by that time, I mean, you're, you're looking towards the playoffs. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's complicated. So it's always good to have more talent in the locker room. Yeah. It could, could rub people the wrong way, but it's also an insurance policy. So, you know, if Gabe or Diggs goes down, I mean, you're kind of missing an outside receiver there. Right. And, you know, are you going to expect Shakir to step up and win a Super Bowl with I don't know if you want to do that in his rookie year. So, um, you know, Crowder's definitely injury prone. I think we could easily slap that label on him. Andy's a slot guy. Uh, Shakir's a rookie coming up. And if, you know, if Gabe or Diggs goes down, it's going to be a huge hit to the offense. So I don't see it's not a bad thing to bring him in, especially if he's he's more mature at this point. He's, He's looking for the ring. He's going to come in with a good attitude. He's not like knocking over the kick net. And uh, you know, causing a ruckus, right? Yeah, and I'm sure, sure looks and Von Miller looks like he's a lot more comfortable with the team. No kidding. It looked, it looked a little. Oh God, this is Von Miller. Like the guys were it seemed like the guys were a little shy around him, and, and he was like very like proper when he came in. But it looks yeah. like he's kind of he's you know he's took his shell off, and and he's one of the guys already. So if uh, Von's one of the guys by then, he's got he's vouching for OBJ. They got his respect. I, I don't. I see this. This could work. More of a story. I think you make a really good point there about Vaughn. I'm actually going to touch on that in a little bit. But you go from what you were talking about, a little bit of seriousness there. I think that comes with changing locker rooms. And then you had people trying to make a story out of the fact that he said he wanted to go to Dallas. I thought that was nothing. But like, like everything I was speaking on earlier with the Cole Beasley thing and whatever, it's just – it's always something, especially online. But now you got him taking pictures with the babies, him and Josh Allen and yep. Diggs, and now you got him going after OBJ. I love it. Uh, PC or PVC Fam Four coming in, Thigh Doc. Wrong button. Give him a smoke up here. Any insight to Odell actually coming in, and would you want it? I would. So we just touched on that a little bit, but 
you're looking at that injury in particular. Now, I guess the better question would be, Thigh Doc, if you do bring him in, would you bring him in for the end of the season run into the playoffs like the Rams did, or would you consider keeping him around? Is an injury like that something you worry about long-term, especially at the wide receiver position? Yeah, you know, it definitely took a hit to his long- longevity. Uh, two ACLs, I mean, that's that's a lot of work yeah. done on the knee. Um, but I'm glad you asked that because there were some reports that he had some issues with the first ACL. He was mm-hmm. a little slow coming back with it. And the report's out of Cleveland, and you never know if it's a smear campaign. But he didn't go to his team doctor. He went to the James Andrews down in uh, Alabama. Yeah. And, the, and Cleveland said it was a, a poor surgery because of the surgeon. So one would say, well, well, what the hell happened? Because a lot of stuff can happen with rehab. Sure. It's, not, it's not as simple as it's – people have gotten so good at surgery and rehab, it just looks good most of the time. Right. But 5% of the time – this is what I think. This is not documented. 5% of the time you can get a cyclops lesion. And what happens is, and I have a model here. So this oh, is the, the knee. model now we're talking. Yeah. So this is a right knee mm-hmm. kind of looking at you. So we're going to turn it sideways. You open it up. All right. Uh, let's see here. Can you see inside the knee, fellas? It yes, kind of looks like it now, a right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see it. Yeah. So this, this ligament right here is the ACL. If you look deep in the knee, it inserts back in here and then it inserts into the shin in the front got it Mm -hmm. so when you rupture that they kind of like clean this all out and then they they clean up where it attaches and then they got to put new tunnels in there so they're going to drill up through the femur and down through the tibia and once in a while the hole isn't where it's supposed to be so it's a little too anterior, and that makes it catch. Yeah. Like the like the ACL catches when the knee's extending. So it screws up extension, which is like the most important thing to get back. That'll affect your quad activity. And then you can start getting scar tissue around uh, the, the new graft. They call that a cyclops lesion. Again, even the best surgeons, it can happen 5% of the time. When they said it was the surgeon's fault, I'm pretty confident he had a Cyclops Legion. Now Mm. they come in all different shapes and sizes. Sometimes Mm. you get a little fibroid and it just like bothers the knee, but other times you could get a big ass one. And those people, the knee blows up and and they they have to have a, another surgery. I think he had a little one. Maybe the surgery was off a little bit, but it was affecting him, made him come back slow and it affected his rehab. So then when he came back, uh, you know, yada, 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 you can make a case that it, it wasn't ever, 100%, and then he had another non-contact ACL in the same knee. Now he gets it done again. They get to re-drill the holes and put them in the right spot. So now the reconstruction is better than it was before. However, it's still a second surgery on the same knee. So, And it's kind of a double-edged sword. In one way, it helps because now the graph's in there better and he can rehab better. But it's it's a second ACL, you know what I mean? Basically what they do is they take the same knee's patella, They'll, they'll trim out a little bit of the middle here. They'll take a clip of the patella, a little bit of your tibial tuberosity in the middle of your patella, and then sew it back up. And they'll use that as the graft. But you can't do that the second time. So the second time, they're either going to take it from his hamstring or they're going to take that patella from the other knee. It's going to affect the other knee because now you're taking the, the patella tendon out of the other one. Um, and the hamstrings, to be honest, they, they loosen up. But they usually loosen up in like 10 years. So... It wouldn't affect him now, 
but you know, say like, Hey, this is OBJ. This is a hall of famer. This is someone who's going to play till he's 36, 37, 38. Now you're looking at OBJ. Who's going to kind of hang it up at like 33, 34. Wow. Okay. So, Getting OBJ in-house here is not like, oh, shit, we got him. Let's sign him up to a, a six-year deal because he's he's a legend. Now, I would see this as like a one-and-done issue. He's friends with Vaughn. He's chasing rings. He knows his career has been shortened. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, he's a premier receiver. He'll be good enough come January. And if he, you know, he gets in-house, he gets up to speed, a guy goes down or just working him into the – to the you know the depth chart uh can do wonders in the playoffs yeah i mean i have to imagine like last year the rams robert woods goes down they were still doing fine without him but not nearly as well when they do have him on the field that to me is why they go out and get obj i'm not against it no matter what right but you have to think about when in the year if someone goes down that's why you do it sorry to cut you off but the rams if you remember they actually picked up obj and then the same week literally a few days later Woods went down in practice. You know what? You're so right. Actually, I, think I do yeah. often think that it was after. I, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So it helped them because mm. they had they had the insurance policy yeah. on the receiving core, but they actually didn't pick them up because Woods went down. So it, it helped. I mean, that's yeah. that's how it goes. You're well. Then you're to your point, though, right? You have that insurance without having to go find it again. You have it right there. Yeah. So I guess that does it, it does make sense. But I do I do wonder with the way the wide receiver core is now. If that is in the, it, it would be, to me, it doesn't seem like the Brandon Bean move, but we've seen a lot of moves this offseason that necessarily weren't yeah. the style in which Brandon Bean is used to showing us, but I've been all about that. So, um, so a lot of people are, you know, Von Miller in particular, OBJ himself, and then Andre Reed, they're the reason we're talking about this. We will worry about OBJ if and when he comes to Buffalo. Let's talk a little bit about a guy that we already have on our team and hope to have for a while. Last time I talked to you, it was about Tredavious White, and that was a bit ago. When I hear Sean McDermott talk about the progress in which Tredavious White's making, it almost always seems incredibly positive, and I continue to see time and time again videos and pictures of Tredavious Wright really grinding out on the field trying to get back. Do you got any updates for us as of right now as to where Tredavious White's at? Has anything changed since the last time you and I spoke? Yeah. So when he debuted in practice and they showed him sprinting and kind of landing on the one leg, he he didn't – he looked good. Listen, yeah. to be honest, he looked good to the naked eye, but there is a lot more to that, to the trained eye. And he wasn't there. I'm calling that 80%. Okay. His knee wasn't flexing all the way when he was running, and he wasn't uh, landing on one leg comfortably. Uh, so then the next week, uh, someone else put more footage out. We didn't see him sprint. I doubt that he fixed that knee flexion. Uh, but his single leg landing looked better, but mm-hmm. not great. Okay. Um, he lands on one leg good. He's looking down a little bit. Uh, this is Thad Brown's video he sent okay. out where he stepped off the plyometric box, landed on one leg, and then jumped up. But to be honest, when he jumped back up on one leg, he – he bucked it up real quick. He didn't like extend his knee and leap up on one leg. Like he's going for a layup. You could tell he's still favoring it. It's progress, but it's not good enough. And then he's still going to have to get into game shape. And then he's going to have to mirror premier receivers. I still am in the bucket that he's close, but if you rush him in week one, he's going to have limitations. Limitations can lead to compensatory injuries Obviously, worst case scenario, he blows his ACL again because he's not right. at full speed. 
but I mean, I'm talking like tendonitis is throws out his back because because he's kind of been limping on it and favored it. Um, that's that's kind of the trend that would happen if I think if he goes back week one, you can put him on IR or the pup, which would take him out for four weeks. The only problem is he can't practice with the team for the four weeks. He yeah. could do PT up the wazoo, being on the uh, the, the you know um, the means and stuff. But he he still's not getting on field training. That on field training takes you know for a veteran you could say you could speed it up a little bit, but it's like you know two to six weeks. It varies. So yeah. so if he comes off the pup and you think he's just going to jump in week five, I still think that's a sticky situation. If you put him in, if you make him have the active roster and you decide it's a numbers game, you let him practice for two weeks with the team and then you activate him week three because you just make him like, you know, inactive for two weeks. That's possible. But if you really want to do the safest thing, what's good for the team and what's good for Trey, you put him on the pup and you have a 21 day window, three weeks to let him practice with the team and you decide when you want to activate him. If in that three weeks he looks really good and they have some injuries, activate him whatever if everything's going smooth we're four and one five and oh just let them fucking practice get better you hit the bye week you grab an extra i was just gonna say yeah and then he comes he comes back week eight which would be our seventh game because we're coming off a bye week sunday night football in buffalo against green bay so i I know it's all that would be that would be what a scene that would be No kidding. Right. And I know it all depends on what he's showing. Right. But in your opinion, if it's not legitimately 100 percent, are you in favor of waiting till after the buy? Is that kind of the vibe you're getting? getting Here's the here's the problem. It's it's not going to be 100 percent, even if you wait till the buy. Okay, but he'll be 95 percent and he's going to mature through the season. You could speed that up a little bit. I put this in that article. When's Trey coming back? But you could bring him in at 85 percent week one. But he's 85%. You know what I mean? Yes. And if you're going to like do him on a snap count reduction, but then something happens during the game and then he's thrust in the lineup, now that's a scary situation. You can wait till week five ish and then he'll be 90%. But still, it's, you know, that's still a little, a little touchy. Why not just play it safe, give him up, give him the pup, and then you decide when you want to pull him back. You got three weeks. Um, that's just how I see it. Listen, he looks good. He looks physically great. His torso's yes. tight. His arms are ripped. He's working out. He might. He might even be. Might be a little gassed up. Who knows? Yeah. But all I know, all I know is I. You know, me personally, I've worked with some really good mentors who make a return to play test from an ACL. Mm-hmm. They grade them on single leg landing, single leg jumps, how they sprint. He's he what he, he wasn't passing the test last week. Yeah. So if he's going to pass the test with a week left before the season. He probably could and will, but it's like if someone just gets, you know, good enough to practice, it doesn't mean they're going to be good enough for a game in a week. you got to ramp that up some more. So based on the timeline, the fact that early September he's going to be just good enough, I think the safe thing to do is make him even better and have him as close as possible to 100% when you bring him back. We're not trying to break the drought this year. We're trying to win the Super Bowl. And if we can get through the first wave of the season pretty healthy and in a pretty good shape, uh, it's going to do wonders at the finish line. One more thing before I let you dance out of here, and I know it might not be in your wheelhouse, but it's definitely pertaining to the Bills and their week one matchup, which is one month from tonight. 
it's kind of being held under the radar a bit, especially when you're talking about a superstar quarterback and one who comes off of a Super Bowl win like the Rams did last year. But Matt Stafford comes out this past week that he is suffering from pretty bad tendonitis. They're trying to say it's almost like a baseball-style injury. He tried to play it off. Sean McVay tries to play it off. I'm not quite sure if you know anything about the situation or how you can read on it, but is there something that you've seen come out of that story that could potentially make him at risk for not playing against the Bills in the NFL opener on Thursday? No, he's going to play. Okay. Yeah, it's, so it's, they're calling a thrower's elbow. Mm-hmm. So if you were to go back to Josh Allen's rookie year, yep, it was like his fourth game or whatever. He got hit by uh, Merciless. He sprained his UCL. Mm-hmm. That's the Tommy John ligament. Yeah. Remember he got hit from the side. I put some clips up. You go back and look at whatever. Yeah. So, and then you saw him on like the sideline, the trainer did this, this maneuver and he grabbed his elbow real quick. So he had a legit, like acute sprain. Um, it took him a couple of weeks. I can't tell you how many weeks exactly, probably about a month. And then Allen was about, uh, was able to come back. It looks like Stafford's dealing with like some long-term stuff. Like you heard it was nagging him last year too. Mm, that's what I heard. He was still able to play. He wasn't out, but Listen, it can you could take a hit and it could get aggravated 100%. If it's he's older, if it's starting to like fray a little bit, he could tear his UCL like in a game or on a really hard throw. You know how pitchers can just throw it out. But football's different. The strain on the that ligament is not the same as a pitcher. Pitchers will pop it like when they're throwing uh, football throwers, they don't use that ligament as much. But at the end of the day, he's got something that's nagging him. If it's if it's a tight game, you could hang your hat that, hey, he didn't put enough mustard on that. That, right. that, one, that one pass got tipped. That changed the game. And it might, you might not say, hey, uh, that was the play. But, like, you know, it could have happened in the middle of the game, a big third down. It caused him to pump. We scored off it. You know, it gets lost in the shuffle. But it, it's a game of inches, and that, that could be at the inch. So, yes. I like I like that he's dealing with something. It's good. He's always making a smarter Bills mafia. I mean, for God's sakes, he brought out the dia. The, what do you call it? The uh, what is it? The thigh model. The thigh. The knee. I, I knew there had to have been a name. Now, do you have one? Are you kind of like a magician where you have one of those folded up in your pocket and you pull it out like your baton everywhere you go and just show it off? No, I had to steal from work. All right. Well, the one thing I knew I know you always come prepared with is a dance, and I got to get you some different music this time around. When I got what do I got? Anything good? Well, I like this one. If we're gonna do this, I need something like. You what know, do you, like, I only got a couple drop, of things pre-recorded. I think this. Was, hold on, let's see. No, that's too. That's too much. That's too little. Ooh, here we go. This is up your alley right here. Kind of sexy. Yeah, I know you can read this one. Turn it up. Oh yeah. Get you a man that can do both, making you smarter and teaching you dance moves all at the same time. Look at him. Now let me see that side to side. I wanted to see that other move you got. Oh yeah. Folks, 2022 Bills tailgates are gonna be next level with the side to side kind of. Ooh! I didn't even know I had this song queued up. Now I want you to dance out of the frame as I send you off. That's the best way to do it. Look at that. You can't do it anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, the side dog. Like I said, give you a man who can do both. The guy comes on, he pulls out the thigh, the thiagram. Is that what he called it? He immediately makes you smarter. He immediately makes you feel like you could be a doctor, except when I do listen to him, I realize why I'm not a doctor. 
And that's because everything he's saying, it's kind of like he's speaking Mandarin. I'm like, man, I just want, listen, let's get down to brass tacks. Give me the English. Is, 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 uh, Jernavius White going to be ready? Is, is Matt Stafford playing against the Bills? G- give me the brass tacks. But he's got every little detail. And of course, he gives that to you even more in depth on the Buffalo Fanatics website. Make sure to go over to buffalofanatics.com and constantly keep up with the Thigh Docs articles because he is always given the up-to-date info on all of these injuries. So good stuff. You know, it makes you wonder at the cornerback position. We do continuously hear uh, with Tredavious White being out that that has been one of the spots that has been kind of a blemish, so to speak, in this offseason, the one that definitely seems to be of concern. Now, we did know that, of course, going into the offseason all the way up until the draft. That is why Brandon Bean addresses the position with Kair Elam. He is going through those growing pains right now. But if we go back over to the depth chart, let's just go hypothetical here and, and you know, because that's essentially what we're going to have to do, right? Because if we're listening to Thydoc, it could be up until after the buy. Now, that is depending on his status as far as how he feels. I think it also very much depends on how the Bills start the season off. I mean, if they're humming on all cylinders, there really is no point at all to rush Tredavious White back until absolutely necessary. And if you can hit the bye, you know, not losing a game or just dropping one, it would be ideal for both parties, but you really don't know until you know, right? So looking at the depth chart here and you look at the corner position, now I I am hearing surprisingly good things about Christian Benford, a sixth-round pick. He seems to really be making splashes when he does get his opportunities. So it's good to see that there are some corners that you know we bring in here that could potentially cycle in and try and you know lessen the blow not having Tredavious White. But like I you know just said, he's a sixth-round pick. Yes, he looks good in practice or perhaps better than some anticipated you're not going to be banking on a guy like Christian Benford to fill those shoes or be able to do so adequately. Kyir Elam is drafted to shadow Tredavious White on the opposite side of the field, but you look at the situation right now, and he's going to have to probably step up into a major role here early on in the season should Tredavious White not be brought back. And to piggyback on what the thigh doc just said, that's very, very likely he will not be back. And then you got Dane Jackson, who as of right now will more than likely have one of those starting roles. And it's just going to be interesting to see how that all winds up panning out, not only when he'll be back, but who they decide to run through at those positions. And ultimately, if it winds up being successful, because uh, in, in this AFC right now, I mean, the Bills are loaded on wide receiver, but so are plenty of other teams. And uh if you look at the if you look at the schedule that the Bills have to face off against, you know it's no secret. The Bills are going to be playing some incredibly elite offensive talent. But I like to talk about the good things, right? The positive things, and the big positive is our wide receiver room. Wanted to talk a little bit tonight about what we saw Friday evening at the Bills scrimmage. Now, I wasn't able to attend the scrimmage. I went to the practice today before. I wish I could have. First of all, before we even talk about what happened on the field, let's talk about what happened in the stands. 36,000 fans for a practice. I mean, folks, do you understand how insane that is? I mean, that is just ludicrous. I thought it was nuts watching people pile onto the buses to go to practice. I mean, not that I thought it was nuts. It's just that when you really get down to brass tacks, 
like, you know, people piling onto school buses in 90 degree heat to go to a college to watch players run cone drills. You really, when you think about it at, at its infancy, I mean, it's pretty nuts, right? And they're packing the stands. You know, Friday night, yeah, it's more of like a game, but it's still just a scrimmage slash practice. And we're talking 36K. I looked it up because I'm like, you know what? There has to be some, there has to be some dog shit teams in the past that have had really bad attendance. And I looked it up in the Washington commanders back in 2021, were averaging 51,000 a game during the regular season. Now I know that there's a big gap between, you know, 36,000 and 51,000. That's still 15,000 bodies, but one of them or the, the regularity of one is during the regular season. You got 36 K in attendance for a practice. And it wasn't like it was prime time either. We're talking Friday at around five ish. People are still getting out of work. You have to imagine 20,000 plus of those fans had to get out of work early or do whatever to beat the traffic. Just think about it. That's why, you know, earlier when I bring up the Cole Beasley thing or whatever, it's because it's things like this that make it. And I know this is the fan base speaking, but you just you, you take it to heart when you see things get questioned that you really don't necessarily feel should be questioned. And right here. Now, I know the organization doesn't have much to do with this, but and then again, it does. The Washington Commanders organization is a dumpster fire. That's why nobody goes to the games. Now, I do understand that Bills fans showed up to the games and we couldn't win a game, right? But 36000 for a practice. Sweet God. And they were treated to one hell of a sight. Let me get this picture up. I mean, look, you know where I stood on the... Um, on the red helmet situation. I've been dying to see it. I really wanted it. And then when you saw the NFL releasing all of the different teams that would have an alternate helmet this year, I was just waiting and waiting and waiting for them to announce the bills just to come and find out that they would not be doing it this year. But I love this situation, not only because Josh Allen walks out on the field and gives us what we were wanting, right? But it shows you that Josh Allen simply knows how to read a room. Josh Allen is a man of the people. Now, you might say, oh, you're reading into this a little bit too much. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think Aaron Rodgers quite knows how to read a room. If he knew how to read a room a month before practice, he's not going to go on, a, or a month before the regular season, rather, he's not going to go on a podcast and talk about how he was tripping on liquidated shrooms for a week in, a, in a, uh, another country. I mean, just imagine, you know, I mean, maybe I don't have any, I don't have any issues with that either, by the way, I'm all for it. You know, you want to take some shrooms, you want to go, you want to go on a trip that you want to go on a $5 vacation, as I like to call it, $10 vacation. I'm all for it. But I don't know if I want my franchise quarterback, even if he does choose to partake of that, hey, it's the off season. I'm no stick in the mud, have a good time. I don't know if I want him going on a podcast, sharing his spiritual journey to the world, uh, especially if you're Aaron Rodgers, after you just lost to Jimmy Garoppolo at home in the, in the playoffs. I mean, I don't know. If I'm a Packers fan, I'd be like, dude, you know, you, you just lost to Jimmy G at home. We haven't been able to win a playoff, you know, a meaningful playoff game in a very long time. You have constantly been putting us through the ringer here the last two years in the offseason. We know that it's coming to an end your tenure in green Bay, maybe want to lean up the uh, lay back on the whole tripping on shrooms in the off season, uh, verbiage. I don't know. 
He just that to me right there. You don't know how to read a room. You're you're a franchise guy. You're you're the, you're the you're the literally the face of Wisconsin. And like I said, I got no problems doing stuff like that. But like my franchise quarterback. Now I know this is a different scale. We're not talking about downing ayahuasca here. But Josh Allen, this just right here, he goes to show me that the guy knows how to read a damn room. And I always thought Josh Allen really laid back on the social media. And to a degree, I think he does. Josh Allen does not seem to be a big social media guy. But he had to have been looking at social media enough to understand that the Bills fans really wanted to see him in a red helmet. And I think as soon as he knew it wasn't going to happen, he took it into his own hands to be able to show Bills Mafia what it would look like in person. And here it is. Just gorgeous. I mean... Now, let me let me preface the, the the look here for a second. The blue stripes down the middle are egregious. It's horrendous. That should be white with maybe a blue stripe down the middle. The blue on the side, I hate it. And also the combo with the red jersey. I would never want that in a real-life setting. Of course, he's wearing the red jersey because all quarterbacks wear the red jersey. But I really do think with that look with the blue helmet, I think it'd be nuts to say that that wouldn't be sweet in a game. But anyhow... When he walked out of that out of the tunnel onto the field for a scrimmage, a scrimmage in front of 36K, that is just insane to say. I mean, like I told you last week, when he walked over to sign autographs, people were freaking the hell out. I mean, I, I've never really seen anything like it in person. We're talking about turning that dial up to 11 when he walks out of the tunnel with this red helmet on. I mean, that place was going bonkers. Going absolutely apeshit because the guy's got a red helmet on. I mean, that is what I'm talking about. That is Bill's Mafia in a nutshell right there. And I think it also is Josh Allen in a nutshell. He's a badass warrior on the field, right? No, like no bullshit type guy on the field. But he also knows how to read a room and have fun, right? He did the golf thing on the offseason. We've seen him slam some beers at Sabres games and on, like, like Twitch or whatever he was doing, playing online or whatever. This, to me, was a very – it was like a catalyst moment, though, of realizing that. And I know that this is one of those things that people can say, like, oh, yeah, there, it really doesn't mean anything. I think it does. You know, you got the things with like with Kyler Murray, for instance. Like, you don't, you, I don't think you'd ever, you know, you'd never see uh, the Bills management having to put in the contract for Josh Allen to study. It wouldn't even be a thought. And at the same time, he also is able to encapsulate the fan base in a way that many players throughout all of sports are unable to do. And this is just a perfect example. I love it. And the fact that there were that many people there and the fact that people just lost their mind was amazing. And I think it also goes to show you to the people who uh, are the Red Helmet haters, get on board because there's clearly a million people who love it. I mean, that, that picture and video of him went absolutely through the moon viral. So I understand if you don't like it, but you might need to, you might need to get with the times here, folks, because I think it's definitely going to happen. And there are people, tons of people who just love it. And by the way, I mean, we've seen the edits of him in it and he looks fantastic. Now, granted, Josh Allen could probably walk out on the field with a 1920s leather helmet and still pull it off. Right. But with the red helmet on, it looks mint and you know, it, you know, it, Hey, Johnny coming in here with a great point. I'm glad you brought this up. Cause I, I don't, I didn't know if I was going to touch on it or not, but you brought it up. I figured I'd touch on it. Um, folks, I, I don't, I don't know if, I mean, look, I'm not your dad. <laughs> 
and you don't need to take any advice from me, but if you, if you happen to be in here for some advice, this is what I'll, I'll give you. Uh, don't throw stuff at uh, the players. You know, I mean, like, what, what, what are we doing? I mean, I know we're, we're out of our mind and it's what makes us great, but like throwing jerseys and footballs at the guys running into the tunnel, it's a little much. You know, somebody threw a football for Josh Allen to sign and they hit him right in the balls. I know this is an, an insane thought, but let's just run a hypothetical here. That guy throws the ball because Josh Allen didn't see that ball coming. You throw the ball out there, Josh Allen trips over it, and I don't even want to even begin to fill in the blank as to what m- might happen there. Imagine that. It's just dumb. It's just dumb, and it's a bad look. The, other, it, the same thing happened with Diggs. I, I saw a video. There, people were throwing, like, uh, first of all, you know how much an NFL jersey is these days? They're like 150 bucks after tax and shipping. You wouldn't catch me dead throwing my jersey off the side of the rail. I mean, do people in Buffalo just have money to piss on that I didn't know about? I wish I had that kind of coin. I mean, imagine you just taking your jersey, your brand new jersey, right? You just spent like a day's pay on it and you're throwing it off the side. It's like, I love the hat trick in the NHL. I always have. I thought, I thought I've always thought it's killer. You'd never catch me throwing my hat on there. This hat right here is like 40 bucks. I'm not throwing that on the ice. I love watching other people do it, but that's because it's expected. A hat trick is called a hat trick because you throw the hats on the ice. You don't throw your jersey at the players. They're human beings. I understand going ballistic, trying to get an autograph. Like at camp, I watch people do it. It's fun. And they like that too, I think, right? I mean, you got the other night I was, or the other day I was over there watching, you know, I watched Knox sign a baby. I watched Josh Allen sign a baby. I watched Deion Dawkins go around. Love seeing that because he's just a great personality. Don't throw stuff at the guys. And, you know, and, and then someone, I think someone posted it and were like, Josh Allen, uh, Josh Allen, like some, some, some adjective as to what he said to the fan. He didn't do anything. He turned around and was like looking as to like, dude, what are you doing? It wasn't like he turned around and flicked the guy off and jumped up into the stands, Ron Artest style, and started beating that. Like, no. I mean, he, he handled it very well. It, it must not be a great feeling to have somebody throw balls at you when you're walking off the field, right? I don't know. I mean, granted, yes, it was in good spirit. He wanted an autograph, and I understand. Oh, my God, I love you so much, Josh Allen. I'm going to throw all my belongings at you, but... Let's scale it down. The ball one was weird because, you know, a jersey, one, you never catch me throwing it out there, like I said, but at least a jersey, it weighs about three ounces. It's not going to hurt anybody. A football, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what we're doing there. The jersey one was crazy, though. I mean, there must have been like 30, or maybe not 30, but maybe, I don't know, but there was at least a dozen jerseys that people just threw off the rail. And Diggs, I thought it was hilarious. Diggs just picked the jerseys up, signed them, and threw them back on the ground. And you got to wonder, who the hell got their jersey back? Like, did any did anybody get their jersey back? And you know there had to have been people in the stands like, that one's mine, that one's mine, when it's totally not theirs. I guess the moral of the story here is, I'm all for the autographs and the memorabilia, and I love these guys as much as the next guy, believe me. I love all of it but let's just maybe not throw stuff at everybody. And I think that, you know, everybody looks good there. Josh Allen doesn't need to look upset, which, hey, uh, you know, newsflash, I think you have the right to be a little bit upset if someone's chucking stuff at you. 
two, uh, it's a bad look for the fan base. Whether, you know, like not to go, not to go the distance here, but you know, when, uh, when Patrick Mahomes' wife spewed uh, champagne all over everybody, people had a field day with that. So let's not give anybody an excuse. You know how it goes. Everybody's going to look for some reason. I actually saw a comment on the tweet that posted the tweet that showed the video of Josh Allen having the ball thrown on him. And someone commented like, yeah, Josh just really seems to unravel. He seems to really be unraveling this offseason because he got mad. Uh, he, he quote unquote got mad about the guy throwing the ball at him. I don't really think he looked like he got all that mad. The ball hit him and he turned around and was pretty much just like, Hey dude, what the, what the hell? Don't throw balls. Don't throw balls at my balls. I think it's a fairly simple request. Um, but the, 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 the thing I'm trying to get at here is don't give anybody ammunition. You know, Patrick Mahomes uh, wife and brother gave everybody an absolute artillery. So let's not give anybody anything. Let's not give them a single bullet. Because when you do get people to re- stop to reload with, they will fire. So let's leave them with blanks. That's all I got to say on that. And by the way, anybody who's got that type of coin to throw a $200 jersey out on the, uh, out on the field, Super Chats are live. I'll hit you with one of these right now. Keep it, keep, you know, get on in here. I'll take that money. It's going to waste down there. I mean, I'll, I'll spend it. I'll spend it on an actual, and that's the other thing. I think if you went online right now, you know, 200 bucks, you could probably get some signed Bills memorabilia for 200 bucks. And now you're down 200. So let's think about it that way. The next time you think about throwing something out on the field, just stop and say, wait a minute, I'm probably going to lose money on this. Why don't I just take that money I'm going to lose and actually go buy the signed merch? Not a bad idea. So anyway, Friday, the practice uh, was held at the Ralph, 36,000 in attendance. Uh, which is just terrific. Uh, Like I said, wasn't there, but I heard a lot of great things. Now, in particular, the things I heard really seemed to double down on the things that I observed myself in just a couple of hours at practice on Thursday morning. The one thing that I think everybody is loving to talk about right now, and of course, we've been talking about it a lot the past couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, recently in particular, are the wide receivers. Gabriel Davis, like I said, he looks like a freak and he's playing like a freak. There is nobody right now who's got any questions surrounding Gabriel Davis. And I know that the hype going into this season surrounding him was tremendously high. And I was riding that hype train as as high as anybody. But he really seems to be delivering uh, within practice here. I mean, he really seems to be stepping up into that role in a dominant way, looking fantastic. And he also looked great Friday night to lead uh, off of several practices in which he's looked great as well. Now we heard it. We heard it uh, right out of the draft. We heard that Khalil Shakir could really be a steal in this draft. That's what we were told immediately when the bills took him. I was not really aware of what he could bring to the table. Wasn't really aware of what he had done in college. But when I started to look into the pick, what you constantly were being told is, man, I mean, this guy could be a real steal of a pick sneaky. Good fell bills could have really gotten a lot of value here. Two touchdowns in that scrimmage. And I saw him score a 45-yard touchdown in the Thursday practice. I, I, we've had debates on here about whether or not this Bills wide receiver room has longevity. I don't know, man. I mean, the guy, you just, not look at it now. You got Gabe Davis coming in, boom. 
And in and a, and a handful of practices here, you got Khalil Shakir just taking names. I mean, to the point where Josh Allen even spoke on it. Josh Allen said he's, he's looking great out there. In, in lesser words, I don't have the full clip. Josh Allen basically said he's he's moving great, looking great, and I can't imagine that you could get much higher praise than from the guy that's throwing you the ball. So that is just incredibly, incredibly inspiring going into this season because not only do you have that young talent, but you also have veteran guys that I think are definitely going to be as, as impactful. So just so much to be excited about in particular – in regard to the wide receiver room. But I am also incredibly excited about what's going on in the running game. I told you last week I love what I saw in practice out of the running game. That seemed to be the same uh, mindset amongst those who were at the scrimmage on Friday. What I was told is the running game looked great uh, in three different parts. And that's what I told you guys. All three backs looked good, even four. I mean, there, there was not really any visible, like, oh, God, moment when I was watching the Bills uh, practice their run plays. And on Friday night, once again, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and James Cook, all three seem to have had a great scrimmage. Now, I know Devin Singletary didn't play a whole lot, but when he did get an opportunity, uh, I read that he had took it about 30 yards or so on a handoff. I saw him bust one loose on Thursday. I saw James Cook bust one loose. I saw uh, Zach Moss break a couple off for at least 10 yards. So, Look, we are not used to any explosiveness at all when it comes to running the ball in Buffalo unless Josh Allen takes off with it. And the fact that we're seeing explosiveness the way we are seeing it this offseason, now we don't know if that would necessarily translate into actual 11-on-11 real football, but I'm more uh, confident in it now than I was going into the offseason. That is for sure. We are seeing it on a consistent level now as each practice continues to go forward. Um, Thigh Doc brought it up a little bit earlier uh, about Von Miller. Thigh Doc was talking to me about Von Miller coming in, seeming to get more confident with the team, you know, feels like he's more of a part of the team now. And I've always thought that must be tough for these guys, right? I mean, I never had to move schools or, or teams or anything when I was a kid, but um, I could always, I could always try to imagine what, how tough that must be, right. To move a school, uh, you know, transfer schools, transfer colleges, transfer a job that you've been at for a very long time. You get very comfortable, right? You get entwined into your environment. It's tough to leave that. And I know that Von Miller was only in LA for a year, but you know, you went the distance there. You build a real camaraderie there when you are on a championship team. And of course he comes off of a, um, you know, a career in Denver that was extraordinary and it's gotta be tough to bounce around. Uh, but when you do come into a team like you do with Buffalo on the defensive side of things, at least, especially up where Von Miller will be playing, that is a very young unit for Buffalo, very young. And my big takeaway when the Bills first got Von Miller was not only do we finally get some much needed edge pressure that we haven't really had, but he is really going to bring a veteran presence to this young core of defensive lineman and edge and edge presence and even at the linebacker position that was simply not in existence outside of Jerry Hughes, who we no longer have on the team, right? Von Miller is just a whole other level. That's a hall of famer. And I think that, th that there is no coincidence that what we constantly keep hearing out of camp is how tremendous the young guys are playing on defense. How often have you heard in the last couple of weeks, 
how amazing Greg Rousseau looks, how amazing Ed Oliver looks, and how he could potentially have the best season of his career, bar none. How great Tremaine Edmonds has been looking at the linebacker position. I don't think this is there's any secret here at all as to what the reasoning is. Not only is it that they're getting you know older and more well-equipped into the defense, I think that helps, but I don't think that it's lost. It's not lost on me that there has to be it has to be because of Von Miller to some degree. It absolutely has to be. I mean, you saw him just last week talking about, uh, what was it, the, ga- the gasoline and, and gunpowder thing. I mean, he's taken these guys under his wing. And we've seen that uh, on display. When he's talking about Ed, Ed Oliver, who we continuously keep hearing out of camp here, is looking off the charts phenomenal. Um, oh, you know what? It, it wasn't even, uh, was it? It was Greg Rousseau, vice versa, really. What does it matter? We, we, I've seen, I think I got confused here because I saw pictures of Von Miller and um, and uh, Ed Oliver out on the field. And they seem to be like, they almost look like they're good buddies. I was watching how, you know, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs interact. And of course, we've seen them interact throughout the season last year. And you could just, you know, how when you see players interact, you can tell if they have a really good relationship. You can just tell by the way, Josh Allen and, and uh, Stefan Diggs interact on the field. They got a good relationship. You get a lot of that vibe when you see Von Miller go around to these guys. And when I was seeing some footage of Von Miller and uh, at Oliver out in the field, it just looks like that. You know, not only is he in that role model type of a zone, but he's also in that, you know, buddy type zone. It just, it just feels right. And then when he was talking about Greg Rousseau, like we talked about last week, and like I'm sure you've heard all throughout the week here, it's the new phrase out of Buffalo, gunpowder and gasoline. So you can't tell me that Von Miller hasn't had an immediate impact on these young guys and the potential success that they're set to have this coming season. We have heard nothing but great things out of these guys. So it just gets you that much more excited. And, uh, you know, as the camp has gone on, th- gone on here, the only things that have, I think have been of, of, of concern is the offensive line a bit, and I think that's been due to injury, right? We've seen a lot of shuffling there. We haven't really seen the starting unit out there in totality at all. I don't think we have once yet. We haven't. So that's obviously been a concern. And then the corner position, simply because it's young and inexperienced and Tredavious White's not back and healthy yet. But in almost every other area, it's been nothing but high praise to the nth degree. Super exciting. But that's not the case everywhere. It might be the case in Buffalo, but it's certainly not the case in New England. Folks, I've been telling you all offseason, not only will the Patriots not compete against the Bills for the AFC East title, they are not going to sniff the playoffs. And I've had plenty of people look at me, you know, I mean, I, there's people who get it, right? There's people who understand it. I think Bills fans have gotten easier. It's easier to convince Bills fans of that, right? But outside of Buffalo, people are finally coming around to it a little bit. I just don't see at all right now the talent New England possesses in order for them to compete in this current AFC. And it's continuing to get worse. The departure of Josh McDaniels seems to be having an absolute brutal ripple effect through the New England organization, especially, of course, on offense. Right now, 
There, there, nobody knows who any what any coordinator is doing, if they're even a coordinator at all, in New England. And the continuous press coming out of New England camp is how bad the offense in Mac Jones is looking. I'm going to share a couple of pieces with you here. There's two. One just came out about 20 minutes before I came on air here. I was going to share the first one anyways, and then another one came out here. Over here on OutKick is what I got up here. They have the summary of it, but the tweet that I'm going to be pertaining to is right here uh, from Mike Girardi, and this kind of made waves. And it's just something that shocked me zero. It shocked me absolutely zero. Um, and I think that it was inevitable. There is hardly any talent in New England right now to shake a stick at whatsoever that's worth a, a damn, honestly. When you look around the, the, the landscape of the AFC, where does the roster in New England have stack up? It just doesn't. And then you look at the quarterback position. People want to try and, and, and justify Mac Jones being the predecessor to Brady, the, the replacement to Brady, but I just don't see it. Now, granted, we're early here. But in his second year now, we are hearing from longtime Boston beat reporters that he looks worse than he did coming into his rookie year. Mike Girardi shares on Twitter that Mac Jones had some moments of uncertainty a year ago in training camp, but not nearly as many as you would expect for a rookie this summer, far more. Yes, it is early August. There's time. However, the install started back in the spring, and you'd like more comfort and success. So what he's telling you right there is you expect uncertainty and inexperience in your rookie year. But Mac Jones seemed to have more than usual last year. This year, it's even worse. That was the story out a few days ago. Tom Curran, a very, very long-time Boston reporter, tweeted this out just a little bit before I came on air with you guys tonight. Tom Curran says, Patriots' number one offense today has been distressingly bad. You know, I don't think I've ever heard anybody even use that phrase before. Distressingly bad. Run stuffs, aborted plays, would-be sacks. Man, you know it's bad when he's using distress twice. I don't think I've ever used distress in the same paragraph twice in my life distress lobs into traffic just to get the ball out beginning to feel it's less the new offense and more the post scar cycle of o-line coaches they are perpetually overwhelmed folks just be once again not to beat a dead horse but i mean you need another example as to how lucky the bills are right now in the state of the afc to be in the afc east i mean there's just another example I mean, the way that the AFC is loaded right now, the AFC East is falling apart. And people want to keep telling me that Miami isn't, and I agree. I mean, Miami has definitely gotten a lot better. On paper, Miami has a hell of a roster, but if we're talking strictly the quarterback position, I mean, good God. Good God. Is there a bigger discrepancy at the, at the quarterback position as far as division's concerned in all of football? It's not even remotely close. It's not even on the same stratosphere. And in particular here, as you can see, out of New England, the gap is widening. It is absolutely absurd. And so that's just, that just leads me to double down on what I already have felt. I am doubling down on the Bills going 6-0 and in the AFC East. I am doubling down on the New England Patriots not even coming close to getting a playoff spot this coming season. 
I just don't see how it could be even remotely possible. I just do not see it. And and based on what the Bills were able to put against them the last time we saw them play, I mean, you got to remember, when, when New England topped Buffalo, that was in an unprecedented situation. That was in a weather circumstance that we've rarely ever seen before. And the Bills offense might as well have stayed on the bus that day, and they still were in the game the entire time. When they got him on even ground, it was like watching an NFL team play a Pop Warner team. And now we're hearing that that team has gotten even worse compared to that point last season. Look out. Once again, it's got me just, just a little bit more excited than I already was. And I'm pretty excited. Saturday coming up, folks, and that means preseason football is underway. Bills taking on the Colts this Saturday to kick off the preseason. Love it. And then one month from tonight, the season starts. Bills, Rams. But we have plenty more smoke break in between then, including next Monday night where I'll be back with you. Once again, same place, the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. On your way out, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe button, all that good stuff. And we've had over 300 in here consistently tonight. I can't thank you guys enough. You know what that tells me? That tells me football is right around the corner. When those numbers start going up, that means the hype's going up, and that means that ball is right around the corner. Cannot wait. And I can't wait to be back with you again next Monday night for some more smoke break. Rest of the week, we got a jam-packed for you. Of course, we got Rico tomorrow night. We got Rev Wednesday night. You know we keep it coming to you nonstop here at the Fanatics, and it's only going to be coming even more nonstop when the season hits. Cannot wait. I'll see you next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. But until then, I wish you a great rest of your week. And as always, go Bills. We'll think of Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.